Hello, my name is Leslie Goodburn. I'm a Pancreatic Cancer UK supporter, and you're here today listening to some podcasts that we're doing. The reason that we're doing the podcast is because there are two small words, pancreatic cancer, two small words that actually have a massive impact on people, that cause devastation, that create psychological, emotional and physical pain. Before 2014, I didn't really know a great deal about pancreatic cancer. I knew that it was one of the cancers that had a poor survival rate, but that was probably all I knew. In 2014, my husband Seth was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. We were thrust into a world of palliative and end-of-life care, and unfortunately, 33 days after diagnosis, Seth died from pancreatic cancer. Seth didn't really stand a chance, couldn't get treatment because actually the disease was diagnosed at such a late stage that there wasn't the possibility to have any other outcome than Seth was going to die. So after Seth died, spent a lot of time thinking about how to support Pancreatic Cancer UK to raise awareness of the disease, of the signs and symptoms, to raise money. So I've spent the last four years working with various different organisations, getting GPs trained, raising funds through doing things with Emma Bridgewater Pottery, doing charity balls, um, standing in the, in the street during Awareness Month and giving out leaflets to raise awareness. Um, Last year we did some work around patient stories, this year we're doing the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer podcasts. The podcasts are designed to give everyone who listens to them an idea about what the pancreas does, why it's important, what its function is, what happens when cancer forms, what the signs and symptoms of the disease are, how people can recognise those recognise those signs and symptoms so that they can go to the GP and hopefully get diagnosed early enough for treatment to be an option. We're going to talk to some of the UK's leading clinicians, nurses, allied health professionals, experts in various different fields, and most importantly, we're going to talk to some patients and families who've experienced the disease. So over the course of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, which is November, the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer podcasts will be broadcast and it'll give you all an opportunity to understand the disease much better, to think about how you can support raising awareness going forward and to spread the word about pancreatic cancer and hopefully make sure that in the future many more people are diagnosed earlier and people are given the chance for treatment, the chance that Seth never had. I'm Charlotte Foster, podcaster and journalist. And as we are heading to the last week of November, we are heading to the end of this current series of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer podcasts. But don't worry, still lots to come this week. And we are beginning the week by talking to two people whose job it is to try and raise awareness of pancreatic cancer, of the issue of it. And also to knock on the door of MPs and make sure they know what's going on and they will do something about it. So it's all about the policy. Don't worry, we're not talking too much politics. We're talking to the people about what they do. First of all, I had a really great chat with Preth Rao. She is head of policy and campaigns at Pancreatic Cancer UK. I began by asking her just what it is she does in her job. We look at the whole issue of pancreatic cancer and look at what needs to change in relation to the disease 
so with pancreatic cancer that actually is a lot so we know it's the lowest surviving cancer it's also the quickest killing cancer and often the quality of care that people receive just isn't good enough often it's you know they can deteriorate really quickly after they're diagnosed and they don't always have time to get the support um, that they deserve whether that's sort of dietary or nutritional or you know could be psychological emotional support as well so we're looking at sort of statistical data, but also um, data from surveys, etc. It might be research we've done or the government themselves have done and the NHS to look at look what are the key issues. And then we um, create sort of policy calls, I guess, solutions and what will help make them better. And then we try and use whatever tools we have, uh, levers to really lobby, I guess, the health system, um, governments to improve care. You mentioned your, your campaigns and your lobbying. Does it feel like you're banging your head against the brick wall sometimes? Um, I feel like, so I haven't been at the charity for, you know, it's been around for nearly 10 years. So I've been there for a few years. And you can see when you talk about pancreatic cancer that people know you have a legitimacy to be there and to be talking to them. But there can be a slight sort of nihilism is what we say, or um, a pessimism around, you know, it's it's maybe not going to change. What's the point? You know, there's going to be other diseases or, or causes that you're more likely to get progress. And often in government, you've got a short term view because you have sort of five term parliaments or even within NHS because there's so much change constantly. But I have I do think that's changing. So I think people um, we've been shouting loudly and we've also been shouting with other charities and um, cancers that have very poor survival and we are opening doors. So I think people are realising they can't ignore us and they have to actually do something positive. And I suppose when anyone gets a diagnosis that is, isn't great, then every day, every hour, every week, it, it all counts, doesn't it? Absolutely, it really does. And, you know, if you see some of the statistics around pancreatic cancer, it's really devastating. And, um, you know, we know too well that people go in, they can be diagnosed very late because of the vague symptoms. And, um, you know, it can be a matter of weeks, months, very, very often. Um, so every extra month, every, you know, extra every day, every week really, really matters. And, you know, I previously worked at a palliative care charity, so I always think, you know, it, it determines how you kind of leave the world if you're not going to survive um, but also those precious moments with your loved ones to not just be a patient and you know getting to terms with your diagnosis but just thinking okay right this is what left I want to do um, so we've had a campaign um, which thankfully was successful on called two more months or every and every more month matters which was trying to get through approval for a chemotherapy drug that gave people on average an extra two months of life and uh, you know within the health system maybe that's not seen as very long but actually for pancreatic cancer that's that's a lot longer than um, you know compared to what people may have. I know you're working together with you mentioned the um, other cancers like less survivable cancers and there's, there's a task force that you've set up as well haven't you together? Yeah there is a task force yeah so um, it's now it launched officially in 2017 and it covers the six least survivable cancers so it's pancreatic cancer, esophageal, stomach, liver, lung and brain cancers. Pancreatic cancer is actually the, the worst in terms of survival among them all. But we came together, it was, it was sort of Pancreatic Cancer UK's idea, 
and just said, look, we think that, you know, we're in a strategy in, in England together where we're grouped together and often the arrow says palliative care. That surely isn't good enough, because if you look at all our individual strategies and ambitions and you speak to people affected by these diseases, they don't want the outcome to be, you know, just purely good palliative care, which is incredibly important. They want to find a cure for the disease. They want to find things that give them extra life. Um, and so we came together and we've had really great cut through so far. So we've had events in Westminster and we've met the minister in England. Um, we've been mentioned by him in Parliament. Um, we're hoping to get mentioned in the cancer strategy as well in England and then forthcoming ones across the UK. So the reception has been really brilliant and I think we are really strong together. And working together, I mean, it's, it's don't take this the wrong way, it, it's, no one wants to be in that less survivable cancers task force, do they, really? Because you want it to be a survivable disease, don't you? Absolutely. Um, it is the club that you think, right, <laughs> no one really wants to be in it. But I guess that's the nature of um, policy work. Quite often you sort of think, OK, really, your ultimate goal is always to do yourself out of a job. And so really, we want to become obsolete as quickly as we possibly can um yes it's um it we're kind of owning it i guess and sort of saying rather than just writing us off actually um we're going to come together and be proud and uh, about talking about what can change and showing some positivity and pointing out solutions that do exist as well as the you know very critical thing which we all need which is investment in research because ultimately putting lots of money into research which is what transforms diseases and if you look at cancer survival over the last 40 years you can see cancers such as you know leukemia which 40 years ago were really not very survivable at all and now in five years time later over 50 percent of people and probably growing will be alive which is just incredible and so if we have that investment as a group of cancers and certainly as pancreatic cancer we're hopeful that you know we can transform survival so what is, if there is such a thing as a normal standard day in the, uh, in the office for you, what, what, what does a normal day involve for you or a normal week, let's say? <laughs> oh, a normal week, it is really variable, which I, I guess is a thing I do love about my job, although it can be quite difficult to manage sometimes. So it could be anything from, you know, monitoring um, sort of the political news to see uh, have there been any sort of reports coming out from government or maybe think tanks or the NHS or any statistics? Then we have analysts in our team who would analyse the data if it was more statistical and sort of, you know, share it around and update. We've got a knowledge base in the charity so that we have all the latest research recorded. And that's what we base our campaigning work and our policy on. So it's um, policy calls. So they're always evidence based. Um, often it's going out meeting people so it might be a parliamentarian it might be someone within the NHS that we're trying to sort of share intelligence about great things that um, we've heard that we'd like them to adopt or support other charities so we sit on a number of other coalitions so I often sit on those groups um, often I guess also being the head of a team it's sort of signing off documents if we're writing reports we've got a campaign that we've just launched so that has been really busy so a lot of it's been you know looking at the design of um placards or leaflets um designing web pages uh etc so it can be really really varied and setting up events so we've been planning events as well in each of the parliaments and we're also the secretariat of a all party parliamentary group on pancreatic cancer so we're in touch with the chair who is Nick Dakin MP very often to just sort of 
keep um, things on track and and find out um, you know what what next steps we'll be doing and setting out business plans together. Some people will be surprised just how involved you are with with politicians, with the government, with with uh, with MPs as a charity that looks after people who've got cancer. Is that a surprise to people? I I don't know. I mean, I guess because I've always been um, I'm just. I was born that way, I think, politically minded. And so I've always thought of charities as kind of campaigning organisations. But I realise that it depends how you reach charity, what your way in was, that some people will consider them as, as supportive organisations. And it depends, you know, on the nature of the charity. Some are, you know, much more campaigning, some are more support. And actually the charity I work for, Pancreatic Cancer UK, does it all. And actually also, you know, it funds research. So we have a real breadth to what we do and we educate health professionals to help treat the disease better. So we have such a wide range of things we do. But I always think that, you know, charities are so fundamental to changing the face of an issue, whether it, you know, it's pancreatic cancer, whether it's homelessness, whether it's child poverty. And so they have always, always throughout time, I feel like for a very long time, been sort of charities and people um, on the grassroots who are trying to fight for change because we can try and support an individual. But ultimately, we want to change um, the outcomes for the individual so they don't actually need the level of support you know an individual charity would need to give them because actually they can have drugs and treatments which mean that they survive and the side effects are limited and and they can go on live their lives and thrive and that's often on the back of research and and campaigning work. How do you get the politicians to listen to you and to to hear what you're saying and then do something about it? That's so incredibly hard and, and you know, it's it's you can say it's a science, but some of it is instinctive, some of it is just testing and learning because the people that you're trying to influence are, are going to change, you know, they get reshuffled and a lot of it is about personal relationships and understanding what they're personally motivated by. So, you know, you might have a health minister that's really interested in, you know, social justice uh, um, and so we'll be persuaded by looking at statistics and seeing very clear inequality and other people will want just you know to know that we'll be more pragmatic and want to know what are the solutions so can I do something quickly can I do something effectively what's the efficacy so then you have to have the examples of models of care that work so health campaigning I think can um, it's not completely different from different sectors, but a lot of it is around the evidence and also having the NHS supporting you. So I think when you have um, other people like comrades, I guess, I guess, in the battle, that helps a lot. Um, so whether it's, um, you know, supporters um, families bereaved. Uh, clinician saying you know this also has to change it's not just a single charity it's not just this individual it's an amplification of voices so we can shout more loudly and sometimes it is of course being creative because to get those members of the public to support you on on mass for example if you're launching a petition you have to stand out some sometimes and that's having creative content so like digitally you know whether it's adverts you put on social media video content but ultimately you have to have to have a really strong message about what the change is that you're seeking and to know that it is possible to sell people hope um, and, you know, hope based on evidence, if that makes sense. I love that. That phrase is just perfect. You have to sell people hope, but the hope has to be based on, on evidence. That's just... 
that's exactly what you do, isn't it? That summed it up nicely. So I was doing a presentation at work um, a few weeks ago to do exactly this, describe what we do, because actually in a charity, there's lots of people who don't get involved in policy working. They might be working in finance or in fundraising or, you know, in HR, etc. And we were saying, ultimately, we need to influence. And the way you influence is... Um, it's hearts and minds and you need to kind of use a combination to really push your message through and to persuade people. So what changes, what impact have you seen so far? So we've seen a massive increase in um, pancreatic cancer research proportionately. So in the last year, we've seen from 10 million to 14 million. But we have a target as a charity that we think to be transformational, it needs to be 25 million. So we have a long way to go. But I think it's really important to recognise the incremental successes. Um, We also lobbied for a very long time, which predates me, to say we need a guideline to set a standard of care for people with pancreatic cancer. So otherwise, it's like going to school and there's no curriculum. You know, it has to be a baseline that everyone knows this is a standard I can expect and it's based on evidence. We actually only got that this year in February 2018. And I'd like to think in no small part, it's through lots and lots of campaigning uh, that my predecessors and, you know, people that are still with the charity um, did over a number of years, as well as with clinicians, etc. So that should transform care and just make sure people are treated better, but also much more equally to tackle the variation that exists across the country. And I think I mentioned earlier that um, we also managed to get a drug approved that there aren't that many drugs in development for our disease compared to many other cancers and diseases. But we managed to get approved a drug that was approved then rejected and now is available to everyone across the UK, which should offer on median two months extra of life to pancreatic cancer patients. So I think some of the really big key achievements and I think there's going to be more coming, especially on having things like targets, which we've been calling for as Pancreatic Cancer UK, um, for Pancreatic Cancer, but also as a Less Survival Cancers Task Force. Because if you have targets that, you know, say, have really high survival uh, as a target for one year, it's just not going to be achievable for our cancers. And so there's always a risk that we get left behind. So you have to set targets that are more realistic for us, but that are stretching. Um, so it's focused and it's, it's achievable. And when you see those achievements and you know that you're part of that, how does that make you feel? Um, It's incredible, really, because, you know, I think unlike, I mean, my sister's a doctor, so she can go to work and and potentially save many people's lives every day. And we don't often get that gratification. It's a really long, hard slog if you're a a lobbyist, a a policy person, a, a campaigner. So when you do get those moments, it's so important to just take a step back and say, wow, that's amazing. I'm not actually always very good at doing that because I might be rushing into a meeting and I've spotted something on my phone and email saying, oh, we're going to do this for you. But um, I have tried as I've got older to really sort of appreciate those moments because you realise with experience that they they aren't, you know, they don't come every month, they don't come every day. So you should savour it and you should sort of celebrate with your team and everyone involved as well. Well, one of the people that Preth will have to speak to regularly to try and get the message out there is Nick Dakin. He is the Labour MP for Scunthorpe. I know what you're thinking. What's he got to do with anything? Well, don't don't think for too long because I'm going to tell you. He is the chair of the all-party parliamentary group on pancreatic cancer. And if you're wondering... 
what does the all-party parliamentary group on pancreatic cancer actually do? Well, that's the first thing I asked Nick. Well, I think we bring together uh, members of parliament and peers that care about this issue and work with the three cancer charities, uh, Pancreatic Cancer UK, Pancreatic Cancer Action and Pancreatic Cancer Research uh, and that whole community that they bring forward to try and raise the profile of pancreatic cancer so that government uh, prioritises more resources to tackle it. Why is it important to you to do this? Well, I think it's very important. Um, I, I got involved in this because a constituent of mine came to see me who had just lost her husband. Um, and 40 years earlier, he'd lost his mother to pancreatic cancer. The chances of Kevin um, surviving were nowhere improved on his mother's. So most things uh, improve over 40 years. But here we have a a cancer which is stuck um, and it's been stuck for some time and it's time to get it unstuck and do something about it and I think that's where political pressure alongside great clinicians um, and uh, patients and other people can make a real difference. And you mentioned the political pressure as a politician it's turbulent times at the moment how do you get your voice heard? Well we can get our voice heard by doing various things by raising it the issue in parliament by um, asking questions of ministers uh, by undertaking inquiries, um, drawing evidence on particular issues. We've done a, a report fairly recently where we're looking at early diagnosis of pancreatic cancer and what needs to be done. We called it the need for speed because there is need for speed because if you can catch this disease early enough, things can be done to improve people's life chances. But if it takes too long, as it does at the moment, um, then it's sadly so often too late. What would you say has been uh, the biggest achievement or the greatest achievement that you've done so far? I think that the awareness of pancreatic cancer is much higher now than it was six years ago um, when we started. And that's not just down to us. It's down to loads of people doing loads of work across the country. But certainly having a voice in Parliament has helped to raise awareness. You know, this Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month uh, November, we've seen buildings uh, lit up across the country purple and that is a way of raising awareness, getting conversations, people being more aware of this and the parliamentary pressure has helped to bring that about. What would you like to see happen next then? Well I think the, the big challenge and the big prize is to get earlier diagnosis. For that we need to see more spent on research so we need better research proposals coming forward um, for research into pancreatic cancer so that we can find that biomarker or whatever it is to try and be able to detect uh, pancreatic cancer earlier so that the intervention can take place so that people can survive. I think that's where uh, our focus is at the moment and that's where real change could come about. I'm going to have to mention the B word. It's on everyone's lips at the moment. How do you think Brexit may affect these kinds of, of issues of getting people to talk about pancreatic cancer and also research and funding? Well, I think, uh, you know, tackling cancer is far more important to the vast majority of people than um, Brexit is. Um, the sad thing is that Brexit could get in the way. It gets in the way in terms of 
um, people talking about that rather than talking about the real challenges that we face. Um, but I think whether we're in the European Union, whether we're outside the European Union, the same challenges remain. It's very important that those collaborative relationships that we have across research and across health um, are not interrupted and that we can continue to work with partners wherever they are in the world, many of those are in Europe, to uh, tackle this terrible disease. Obviously, it's an all-party parliamentary group, which means it's all parties involved. How important is it that everyone is singing off the same hymn sheet for this? It's not about party politics, is it? Most of the work that we do in Parliament, people will be surprised to know is collaborative, that we work together on, on issues of common concern. And, and pancreatic cancer is a good example of that, so that there are colleagues from all political parties working on this issue. Colleagues from all political parties will have family members and constituents that have been affected by this. And there's a real passion to work together to make a difference. Thank you to both Preth and Nick for talking to us on the podcast for this episode. Hope you found it really interesting and knowing that there's so many different ways of attacking this disease. Obviously, you've got the medical side. Obviously, you've got the raising awareness in the general public side. But there's lots of people knocking on lots of important doors to try and raise it on a policy side as well. And it's really fascinating to me just seeing how all of this stuff knits together. Remember, more episodes to come this week, the last week of November. And if you want to know more, then the best thing you can do is to subscribe to this podcast. I know you're listening to it right now, so just click subscribe. And while you're clicking subscribe, um, to make sure that you don't miss out on any of the last few podcasts for this month, then what you need to do is also give us a little rating or a little like and tell us what you think. A little review would be perfect because it just helps us make sure that we're doing the right thing and it also boosts it a little bit on the charts. And if we can boost it on the charts, imagine what we can do. Imagine how many people will find out more. Could even save a life. Also, don't forget, you can get hold of us at purplerainbow.co.uk. In the meantime, hope to speak to you soon.